This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We talked about baggage, about how, um, about how you know, we, we travel and, and, you know, many times the journey is a hassle, but, you know, we're anxious to get to the destination. But what weighs us down along the way in that journey is all this baggage and these things that we carry. And in a very quick recap, you know, how often do we, do we carry baggage in our life, stuff that, that we really don't need to be carrying, stuff that we need to, we need to check our bags so we don't have to carry it anymore, but instead we're afraid of, of the time, the effort, and the pain, and, and, and that somebody's going to find out as we reveal our pain. You know, we're afraid of all these different things, so instead we decide to hang on to these things and to carry it through life, and it makes it so difficult because it weighs us down. How many of us have been there? Weighed down by the baggage of life. Life just seems so heavy, and it's because we're carrying all these things that we're not supposed to be carrying. And so that's kind of the, the question that we're asking in this series, what am I carrying around that shouldn't be a part of my journey. In the first week, I gave you a couple things. Where does our baggage come from? We talked about unfulfilled expectations, untreated pain, unresolved past, unhealthy view of self, and unrepented sin. And then we went on, uh, I guess it was the next week, we began talking about a couple areas where our baggage comes from. And I, I believe two main areas. First one we talked about was guilt. And where does our guilt and shame come from? It comes from painful regrets, not letting go, not allowing God to forgive you and to cover your failures. And then we talked about, as we let go of guilt, you relate to people differently, you relate to God differently, and you can be used by God. And then last week, I went into the, the second major area where we deal with baggage, and this is people baggage. How many of us have ever had baggage that has to do with people problems? We've all been there. And if you remember, we went in and we talked about the story of Terah. Terah was the father of Abraham, right? And many believe that he was actually called to the land of Canaan uh, from where he was outside of Babylon. But along the way, as he's taking his family, he had to pass through a city. And the city was, was the, had the same name as a son of his who had died. And he never got past it. And the Bible says that he died in that place. Instead of making it to Canaan, he died in the land of Haran which was the name of his son that had passed away. And I believe that, that Terah never got past. He never got to where he was going because he never dealt with the baggage in his life. He never got past that pain. He was never able to walk it through. And, and you may be in that place, like I talked about last week, where there's a broken relationship that defines you or the divorce you went through defines you or the, or, or the abuse of your father defines you or the loss of a loved one now defines you. Maybe the way people treated you in your past. This now defines you and has become part of, of your, it, it's been so ingrained in your personality and your responses and, and the way you interact with people that it's almost inseparable. And we talked about, I gave you three things. What do we learn from the story of Tara? Number one, wounds keep me from my potential. We'll never get to the place we're supposed to go until we begin to deal with the wounds and the baggage in our life. And also, if you remember, I also mentioned that the enemy he, he doesn't care so much about these individual wounds. The wound is not his end goal. His end goal is to derail your purpose. And he knows if he can inflict enough wounds and get you so you're carrying enough baggage and enough weight, you won't get to where you're supposed to go, right? Second thing we talked about, wounds will pollute my other relationships. How when we're carrying these wounds as baggage in our life, we get defensive. We're all the time putting up walls, trying to protect ourselves, when, when in reality all that does is shut out the folks who God puts around us to even help us along the way. We get distant and we withdraw, which solves nothing. It just, just puts us in this place where we learn to cope instead of deal. And then we get demanding and controlling. 
We get controlling just basically based out of fear. I'm going to control my surroundings. I'm going to control where I'm going. I'm going to control who is close to me so that I can't be wounded again, right? It's all to stop this baggage. And we talked about in that, the last thing, wounds can destroy my relationship with God. Jesus was asked, what's the most important law, right? Jesus said, I can't give you one. I'll have to give you two. Love God and love people because it's inseparable, you can't say, well, I love God, I'm good with God, but I just, I just hate his people. Well, well, well it just don't work that way. It, it, it just doesn't, doesn't work that, God, that way. God, God, forgive me. Actually, we talked about that from, uh, it was Matthew 6, 12 in the, in the um, um, Lord's Prayer, when he said, forgive us our sin as we forgive those who have sinned against us, right? And we talked about that. We're basically, every time we say that, forgive us, as we have forgiven, it's basically saying, Lord, forgive me just like I've forgiven my brother. Forgive me in the same way, in the same manner, in the same measure that I forgave them. Forgive me. And for some of us, that's a very scary place to be because we're holding things that we shouldn't be holding against other people, right? So our relationship with God, our relationship with people is inseparable from our relationship with God. In many ways, you could say that our relationship with people can determine our relationship with God. Until we settle that relational baggage in our life, our relationship with God will suffer. And the good news we came to kind of at the end last week was God can heal the wounded heart. Amen? Amen. And we got to remember that, that those wounds, that baggage in our life is what the Bible calls a stronghold. It's got a strong hold on us, right? And basically, we talk about how strongholds in our life, they're based on lies. The Bible says we're a new creation. Those things are not supposed to define us. We're somebody brand new. It doesn't matter what runs in your family. You're a new creation. Strongholds are based on lies. So what do we have to do? We have to replace lies with the truth. We talked about that the very first week. That the truth is that God still loves me, God can free me, and God will restore me if you believe it. If you believe it. And that's what I closed with last week. What can I do as far as these people problems reveal the pain? That's difficult sometimes, coming out into the open with the pain that somebody has hurt us and going to them if that's what we need to do or whatever that is. Second thing was forgive the people involved, understanding they may not deserve forgiveness. They may not have asked for it. However, we didn't deserve forgiveness either, right? And the last thing was refocus on God's plan for our life. And we went in and we talked about the story of Joseph there for a moment. But we can't let some painful incident in our life derail us from the purpose that God has for us, right? So today, I want to talk for a few minutes about freedom. Everybody say freedom. freedom. What a great last song. Hannah did an awesome job. Freedom. The biblical word for baggage is basically stronghold. Actually, stronghold literally means a prisoner held by a lie. You ever heard the story how they talk about how in, in Indian stuff and they capture uh, an elephant, they capture it when it's real young, and they put this, this rope on it, and that rope will hold it for the rest of its life. As it grows up into a huge elephant, that one little rope will still hold it. Even once it's, uh, by the time it's a year or so old, it could just snap that rope, but it doesn't do it. It's held by a lie, right? It's got a strong hold on it, even though it's a weak little rope. Make sense? So the baggage in our life isn't based on truth, right? It's based on lies. And the problem comes when, you know, the enemy comes and he tries to convince us that these things in our life, these things we're struggling with, these wounds are simply a part of who we are. And like we said, the Bible tells us that through Christ, we're a new creation. Now, many people come to Jesus when they receive Christ, many times 
they immediately find some freedom in their life. How many of you would say that? When you received Christ, that was one of the best days of your life. Those of you who can really remember that day where, where I mean, there was just a weight that was just lifted. And you had a new outlook on life. And there was just some other, maybe some things in your life that you just didn't have to deal with anymore. I mean, it was just bam, just like that. You experienced some freedom in the midst of it. Now, there's also other things in our life that we, we spend day by day kind of walking out and, and dealing with in our lives, right? The Lord kind of Along the journey, he points to different things. We're like, oh, man, i got to deal with that in my heart and my life and that bad attitude and that, that whatever it is along the path of life. However, I think for all of us, there's a few things that we find along the way that aren't so easy. There's a few things that get a grip on us, that hold on so tightly, they get that strong hold and we just can't get free of it. And it's probably one of those things that you've repented, you've surrendered it a hundred times to the Lord, and uh, you try to turn away from it, and you find it creeping up on you around the next corner. There it is again. And, you know, after a while, people begin to buy into these things. After you've repented about a hundred times, and you find yourself still walking in the same issues, dealing with the same wounds, whatever it is, people begin to buy into the lie and begin to say things like, well, maybe this is just the way God made me. Maybe I'm just supposed, maybe I'm just meant to deal with this my whole life. Or, you know, maybe there's no real way out and I'll just have to learn to deal with it and carry this. And, you know, we end up learning to cope with the struggle, but that's not God's best. It's not God's best in our life. He wants to free us from our wounds. He wants to free us from our addictions. He wants to free us from whatever it is, those lust issues, whatever it is that you deal with in your life. God wants to free you, and you can be free. You can be. You can be. I mean, how many of us have done that? We've repented to the Lord, and we've, we, we've, you may have come down to the altar and said, Lord, it ends today. It ends today. I'm not going back to it. It's over. And you may have walked that out for a few days, maybe a few weeks, and all of a sudden, you find that issue in your life again. You may have surrendered to God. God, I forgive that person. I let go of it. I'm not bringing it up again. And you walk it out for a few days, a few weeks, and all of a sudden that bad attitude's creeping back up again. And you find that you never really let it go. How many of us have been there? Tough place, isn't it? Tough place. So we started talking. We talked a couple weeks ago about, uh, about Paul. You know, Paul's an apostle. He planted so many churches. He he wrote most of the New Testament. We know that in the beginning, before he was Paul, he was Saul, and he had a hand in, in killing Christians, these Jesus followers. And, um, and, of course, he has this incredible encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he, he surrenders his life, and, and, and obviously he had to deal with some things. And we see further on that Paul still dealt with some issues in his life. Paul still had some baggage. And so that's where we're going to start. You can follow along in your notes, and the notes in your service guide or, or on the screen. But just in, in Romans 7.15, you guys know this. I'm going to read from the New Living. Paul says, Paul speaking, he says, I don't understand myself at all. How many of you would say, that's you sometimes? I don't understand myself at all. What is my issue? Right? What is my problem? That's what Paul's saying here. I don't understand myself at all. For what I really want to do, for I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Guys, this is the Apostle Paul. You should be able to take a deep breath of relief. Just, ah, Paul dealt with it. I'm not alone. I'm not the first one. 
Instead, he says, I do the very thing I hate. And that's what we want to talk about. How do I deal with those things in my life that I do, that I don't want to do? I know I shouldn't be doing. And so let me give you a few things here real quick. Follow along in your service guide. How can I identify those things? Well, here's a few things to think about. Number one, I read this online. I thought this was awesome. It becomes a part of your identity. And that's what I was starting to say a minute ago. It's not just a problem. It's, it's me. It's who I am. It could be that, you know, you just say things. I hear people say things like, well, you know, I, I, know, I, I know I shouldn't respond that way, but, but you know, the, the, all, all the men in my family, we just, we just deal with a quick temper. Really? You don't have to. You don't have to. It's just an excuse, right? You're a new creation. It may be something, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, all, all the... All, all, the, all the certain, my mom's side of the family, we, we, all deal with, we, we all deal with heart problems. You don't have to. You don't have to. It could be that, you know, I, we know. <laughs> Heard somebody saying that, that uh, men, men only deal with, with lust issues on days that start with T. Tuesday, Thursday, today, tomorrow. And guys, we all, guys, we've all dealt with these things. But the problem lies not when you start saying, you know, when you start dealing with that. The problem lies when you say, well, you know what, guys in my family, we, we've, we've always dealt with, with, with liking the ladies. We've always dealt with the lady issue. You know what I'm saying? Where it, it's just always kind of been a problem. I'll fight that forever. Really? I've heard that. You can be free. It's when you start making it a part of yourself that it really gets the strong hold on you. So... And I'll say this too, there's a lot of self-help programs out there, and let me say I'm not bashing any of those or anything, but, and you may, have, you may have been an alcoholic, and you may have been through AA, and you may have said, my name is Chris, and I'm an alcoholic, and I understand that, and I think there, that, that's a good thing because you're identifying that, you know what, it's me, I have an issue, and I'm responsible for it, right? But they teach you that you'll say that for the rest of your life. And let me tell you that 30, 40, 50 years later, I don't believe you have to be saying I'm an alcoholic. Hey, God can free you. So it becomes part of your identity. Secondly, you feel increasingly hopeless. There's nothing I can do. I've tried it all. I'm always going to deal with this. I'm always going to struggle with this. There's no answer. There's no way out. And let me tell you, much of that comes from fighting the same battle over and over again. How many of you have ever been at the point with something where you were just tired? I mean, you just got tired. You surrendered this thing over and over, and you got prayer over and over, and you read every book you could read and listen to every sermon, and you dealt with it over and over to the point that you were just exhausted. And that's where the problem there is we start feeling hopeless, and we start buying into that whole idea that, you know what, I've tried it all. Third thing, you become defensive. Let me tell you, if everybody else around you can see that you have a problem, you probably have a problem, right? You probably have a problem. It's not a problem. I can stop anytime I want to. Really? Really? Can you really? Stop judging me. Leave me alone. You become defensive. Fourthly, you become a slave to it. This is when, you, and I believe these go in steps. Now, the problem is dictating your life. And you've become a slave to it, 
and it begins determining what you can do and what you can't do. And it starts stealing your time and your money and your relationships and your peace and different things like that. So, you know, I've heard people say, well, I just, I just hate being in such debt, but, I, man, I just, I'm so impulsive, I just can't help but spend. You can't stop. That's when there's a problem. I hate feeling terrible. I hate being so out of shape, but I just can't get disciplined enough to whatever it is. So you become a slave to it. And lastly, number five, you begin to lose your life to it. All your hopes and dreams and even God's promises. You actually begin to think, you know what? Those things apply to everybody else. It can't possibly apply to me because my future has now been dictated by these circumstances in my past. You begin to lose your life to it. Romans 6, 12 through 14, from, again from the New Living, says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. Sin is no longer your master. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. So how do I know if this issue in my life is controlling me? Well, firstly, if you're in that place where you would say, I just can't stop it's probably an issue in your life. It could be, it could be food. Uh, you may have been at that place before where when you got done eating, you would quietly excuse yourself to the bathroom and you would stick your finger in your throat because you were afraid of getting too fat. It could be your language. It can be a gambling addiction. It could be anger. It could be shopping, it could be sexual immorality, anything that we can't let go of. Anything controls your life to the point of obsession that you can't stop, it controls you. And you may yell out, I can stop anytime I want. Really? You know. There comes a point where we've got to stop lying to ourselves. True? How many of us have been at that place where we lied to ourselves for a long time? This isn't a problem. It's not a problem. I I can stop Anytime I want to. Yeah, probably not. Do your friends and coworkers, do your friends and family, do they say that you have a problem? Do you continue even though it's hurting the people around you? Do you arrange your schedule around it? Can you go a week without it? Does it lead you to a place of being alone and in isolation? Are you keeping secrets? If you say yes to two or three of these things, then let me tell you, you've probably got an issue in your life that you need to deal with. Amen? Amen. Now, how do we get to a place of freedom? 2 Corinthians 3.17 from the NIV says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, the literal translation of the word spirit there means, it means breath. And it actually implies the breath of God that carries his power. So where the spirit or the breath, the power-carrying breath of God is, there is freedom, right? Now some of us have experienced, hopefully most of us have experienced the manifest presence of God before. How many of you have ever been at a place, maybe in a church service, maybe even sometimes by yourself, where you could say, 
that you knew that you felt the presence of God. It was like, wow, I feel something. And, you know, we have, we have all the time, we have people who come through this church They'll say, you know, I was just driving by and just, and, and just wanted to stop and see what y'all are about. And, and said, man, it was just during the, just, just from the moment it started, from the moment the music started, I felt something I'd never felt before. And they don't even know how to describe it or what to call it, but it's the presence of God. And I really, I really love those moments. I, I love those moments where, where people get healed and set free during worship because, you know, I, I, number one, it's not us on the worship team. <laughs> we are not that good, okay? We are not that good. It is not us. It's totally him. And I love that when they get set free without anybody laying a hand. I mean, it's great to get set free when somebody lays a hand on us to get healed or whatever. But, man, I love it when nobody touches them, nobody prays for them, anything like that, because there is nobody that can receive the credit for that except for him. We can't exalt a man or a woman in that moment. And those are moments where we, we stand in the manifest presence of God and we sense his presence and we know that he is there and we feel his embrace. And that is, that is awesome. That is, that is powerful. In Galatians 5.1, it said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So Jesus didn't come to point a finger at us, to accuse us, or to condemn us. He came to set us free, right? So how do we get free? I'm going to give you a few things here. And, um, and y'all, just, y'all just follow on. I'm going to give you three things to start with. Where, what, what can I do to get free? And let me, let, me, let me just tell you from the get-go. Guys, none of this is easy, okay? A stronghold, it has a strong hold. And none of this is going to be easy. And as a matter of fact, it might be offensive. But we're going to see what God's Word says. Sometimes it can be offensive when, when we're holding on to something we shouldn't be holding on to. But number one, how do I get free? Number one is stop making excuses. We live in a culture that loves to make excuses for everything and hates to take accountability for anything. We have got to stop making excuses for where we're at in our life. And I know there's probably a few of you that are sitting there that are looking at me that are saying, you can just shut your face because you don't know what I dealt with. You don't know what I went through. You don't know what I dealt with. You don't know the pain that was inflicted. You don't know the wound that I've got. You have never walked in my shoes. And that is completely, completely true. But I will tell you this. There comes a point in our life where we have to begin to take responsibility for where we're at today. Only I am responsible for my life from this point onward. We have to stop making excuses in our life. Well, my daddy did this to me, or that relationship wounded me, or I lost this loved one, or I, I, I've got this issue that I just can't. We've got to stop making excuses. We've got to stop making excuses. Luke 14, verses 18 through 20 says, But they all like began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I cannot come. Guys, this, excuses aren't a new thing. They're not a new thing at all. And we can always find one. Excuses aren't hard to find, right? There's always an excuse. I, some of you may have heard, I don't know if I've shared it on Sunday morning before, but a number of years ago I saw an um, tw- episode of 2020 and they focused on, what they did is they interviewed somebody who had been, for, for many years, was an alcoholic, somebody who was a drug addict, and somebody who was severely obese. And the reason they interviewed these people was because the 
the alcoholic had been free of alcohol for at least five years. The drug addict had been free of drugs for at least five years. And the person who was severely obese had gotten their body in order and had gotten in shape. And they said, what did you do? We want to interview you. How did you do this? And how have you stuck it out for five years? And I found it just amazing because they all talked about all the five, 10, 20-step programs they went through, all the books they read, all the things, and they all agreed that none of those really helped. The time that the change came is when they decided they were sick and tired of being where they were and decided they had to make a change. And they said that's when everything, the ball began rolling and they, began, they saw their life begin to change in the right direction. There comes a point where we've got to stop making excuses for where we're at in our life. I just can't. Yes, you can. What is Philippians 4.13? I can do all things through who? Through Christ who strengthens me, right? We've got to stop making excuses. We get to the place where we say enough is enough and we draw a line in the sand and we say I'm done and we walk away. Number two, another tough one, cut the stuff off. Stop making excuses and cut it off. And this is, this is tough. What influences, what people are fueling this issue in my life? 1 Corinthians 15, 33 and 34 says, Do not be disled, misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. We've got to start making good decisions outside the four walls of the church. Because look, we have these great times together as a body of Christ, but we've got to walk out into a world where the enemy is there to steal, kill, and destroy. His primary purpose is to derail your purpose and your future and keep you from being usable in God's hand. So we've got to learn how to make godly decisions. So, like I asked, what are the influences? What are the things that are fueling this issue in your life? Maybe it's a person, whatever it is. You know, I, um, I had a friend talking about sexual immoral issues and stuff. I had a friend who I went to Bible school with, and I remember seeing him a number of years later, and he was a pastor serving in a church. We went on a mission trip together, and he, he just admitted that he had dealt with such issues, such sexual lust issues and stuff in his heart, that he even, he had cut these things off, but he was finding other avenues. There was other things that would catch his attention, and he, he, he just admitted to me, he said, I had to get my wife to start checking the mail. Because I found that the catalogs that came, I would find myself flipping, through, myself start flipping through, and I would be stopping in certain sections of these catalogs, looking too long, and it would get that thing going again inside of me that I had dealt with. And his, so his solution to that was, he wasn't checking the mail again. He had his wife do it. That's part of one of those decisions where he recognized his weakness, and he did what he had to do in that situation. And talking about that same kind of situation that, you know, we guys deal with, let me tell you, it may be that you need, you need filters on the internet. I believe everybody needs them in your home anyway. Let me tell you, it drives me nuts to see 10, 11, 12, 13-year-olds running around with phones. And, and I, I, no offense to anybody, but I just couldn't imagine letting my kids carry that around without any kind of protection. Because I know all you've got to do is hit a web browser and type in any girl's name, and you're going to get porn just like that. I guarantee your kids have seen it. If you don't have any kind of protection on there, they see it. And you would, no, they, yes, they've already been exposed. I've seen six, seven, eight-year-olds that are dealing with it. There are ways around that, and I can, I can talk to you about it, but I, I think we all need that kind of stuff in our lives. The enemy knows your weakness. He's going to put a finger on it. 
He's going to try and devour you. We've got to stop making excuses. We've got to make good decisions that cut off the things that are fueling these issues in our life. To be free, we've got to do what it does and what we have to do to disconnect from those things that are fueling the bondage in our life. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will free. You know, we, I think if I said, who in here has surrendered their life to Jesus, we'd all raise our hands. Oh, yes, I'm surrendered. You know, I, well, okay, so that, you know, submitting our lives to him. Okay, we would say that, that that's the easy part. We think of that as the being, being the part where we say, Jesus, come into my life. But in reality, we've got to submit every area of our life. We submit our, our, our marriage and our work and our decision-making and our finances. We submit all of that to God. And so most of that is going to occur outside of the four walls of the church. It's really got nothing to do with praying the prayer to receive Christ. So as we go outside these walls where we encounter certain things in the world and we say, nope, that doesn't have a place in my life, and we don't even allow it room. We don't even allow it room in the first place. So stop making excuses, cut the stuff off, and last thing was replace the emptiness. After emptying ourselves of these issues in our life, we've got to fill those areas up with something because it's going to come back. And we need to have a no vacancy sign hanging up so that it doesn't have a place to come. It doesn't have a place to take residence within us. Or it's going to jump right back in where it was in our hearts and in our lives. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Let me tell you, this is an issue that the people of Ephesus were dealing with. Alcoholism was always an issue everywhere, but this is the issue he was speaking to in that moment. But you can replace that with anything. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Don't lie, cheat, and steal. It leads to debauchery. Don't be full of lust. It leads to debauchery. Don't lash out in anger. It leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is the answer to dealing with the issues. Debauchery, if you look it up, it actually means excessive indulgence in your senses. If it feels good, do it. That basically sums up our culture today, doesn't it? This is where your senses begin to call the shots and control your life. We can't do these things which lead to our senses taking over. Instead, we've got to be filled. We've got to put something else in there. We've got to be filled with the Spirit of God. We've got to let God fill the void. And so when the enemy comes, we deal with this issue in our heart. We surrender to Jesus we're not coming back a couple weeks later having to surrender again. We've, we, we have done everything we can to fill ourselves up with God. And that's what we're going to talk about. How do we fill ourselves? And this is, what I wanna, this is kind of what I want to close with. What do we fill ourselves with? And guys, this is the easy answer to every sermon. Number one is God's word. We, and, and that's kind of what Zach was saying this morning. We've got to come back to a place of having a hunger for God's word. We've got to devour that book. The Bible has got to be part of our everyday life. It is our life source. It is living and it is active and it can change our lives. And, and let me tell you, if you don't know where to start, we, um, I don't know, do we still, I don't know if we still have the, the one-year Bible uh, guides at the connection desk, but man, I'll, I'll get some. But you can go to one-year Bible online. You can just type that in any web browser and bookmark that, that spot and it, you can bring it up on your phone every day and you can open it and it'll give you a little reading for 10 or 15 minutes just to get into the word for just a few minutes. I even looked and there's even, um, there's even podcasts online that you can play through your phone that read the one-year Bible to you every day where you can go through and, and you can go through the whole Bible in a year in just about 15 minutes a day in, in doing that. But we've got to get back to God's word. In Ephesians 5, 26 in the New Living, it says, be washed by the cleansing of God's word. We all need a regular bath. I, I, thank goodness our children get a little, getting a little older, and they generally bathe without us making them now. Whew. Jeez, man. 
Even Aaron. Wow, he spends more time in front of the mirror than any of us now. But <laughs> yeah, he gets his Bieber swoop. Anyway, we all need a regular bath. We all need a regular cleansing, physically and spiritually. And this says our spiritual cleansing comes by God's word. So how, what do we fill ourselves up with? We make that decision. I'm surrendering this to God. I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm letting it go from this point onward. What do we fill ourselves up with? Number one is God's word. Number two is prayer. And this is having communication. I'm not talking about saying, repeating some repetitive, memorized prayer over and over again to God. Maybe it's a step, but, but we need to have a conversation with God just like we would have with somebody else around us. And we need to have this relationship with God where we're just open and honest and we can talk about things with him. And let me tell you, as you come to God with your, whatever it is, your internet porn addiction, just being honest, why would we be afraid to go to him with that? As we come to him with that, as we come to him with your alcohol problem or your binge eating problem or the wound of that loved one that you lost that you can't get past or your anger issue or your debt and spending issues, he understands. And it actually says it in your notes here. You'll see Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. The high priest of ours, everybody say Jesus. Jesus understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same temptations we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and his grace and grace to help us in time of need. If he understands, then why don't we come boldly to him with these issues? Why don't we run to him every day? God, I, I know I surrendered to you, but I messed up today, and I need your strength. And we should do that immediately instead of hiding from it, instead of keeping it secret. He's there to impart his mercy and his grace, as it says in verse 16 there. He's not there to punish us. we got to stop making excuses. we got to cut the stuff off. we got to fill ourselves with God's word, and we got to talk to him through prayer. And the last thing there, uh, I'm sorry, there's actually four. The third thing is accountability. Let me tell you something. If you're the only person that knows the issue in your life, you're probably in trouble. If you're the only person that knows the issues in your life, you're in trouble. Someone needs to know Someone needs to know what you're going through. There needs to be somebody that you can call on in a moment when you're about to do that thing again, when you're about to go ballistic again, when you're about to lose it, when you're about to look at that thing again that you surrendered to God. They need to know when you are depressed and when you feel alone and everything else, there's got to be somebody that you can talk to in those moments. Proverbs 28, 13 says, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. You need to be able to have somebody you can go to and say, look, this is the area of my life that I'm struggling with. I heard that message on Sunday morning, and that is me. Here's a couple things I'm struggling with in my life, and I need you to be there for me. And, you know, and it, it, I don't know what it is. It may be that you're single, and you would just say, you know what, Friday nights are tough, and I just find myself on that free night doing some things that I shouldn't be doing. It could be I, I had somebody came to me one time and admitted that business trips was a tough thing because of what he would encounter while he was on business trips while he was alone. Maybe that you need somebody to talk to that says, you know, when, when, my, when my spouse is out of town, I'm, I, I, feel, I feel tempted in this area or that. You know, and you need somebody in your life that you can say, will you call on me periodically? When you don't hear from me for a little while, will you start calling and checking on me? Will you hold me accountable? 
Will you point me in the right, right direction? And this is why we as a church, we emphasize small groups. They're so important to us. Because, look, if, <laughs> if you come on Sunday morning to get fed, this is your spiritual feeding. <laughs> I'm sorry, this just isn't the answer. This is a great gathering place for believers to come together in unity and for us to lift up our voice in worship and for us to get a short, encouraging word. But this is not your feeding ground. You're feeding, we have to be self-feeders. And what I find usually when people say, well, I, 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 just, I just don't get fed. Well, usually they only come on Sunday morning and usually they have no quiet time and time alone with the Lord by themselves. Because I don't know about you, but the last time that I was, you know, um, being fed by somebody else, I was about three. And we, we've got to grow up in the Lord, right? And we've got to begin going all out after him in our time by ourselves. This is why small groups are important, because you are not going to get what you need, all-encompassing, on Sunday morning. We need fellowship. We need to be there for one another. We need these times where we all come together corporately and lift up our voice, but we need small groups even more. Small groups of believers that get together where, where there can be accountability and people can truly know us. Because you know as well as I can, we can slip in and out on Sunday morning and nobody ever know our business. But when you're meeting with people week after week that know what you're going through and they get to where it only takes a few weeks. And, and some people are easier to read than others, but even people that hide it, after a little while you begin to recognize. You're like, wow, something's not right with them. And that's that spot where you can, you can walk up to them and say, hey, man, what's going on in your life? What's, what's going on? How can I help you? We've got to have accountability. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. Now, here's what catches me about this. It says, confess your sins to each other. Does this say God anywhere in the Scripture? It doesn't. We think if I just confess my sin before the Lord, I'm good, and I'm going about my way. This says healing comes when we confess our sins to each other. Well, I might get hurt again. You know what? There's a vulnerability. We, we have to put ourselves out there sometimes. I would encourage you to make wise choices about who this person is. It's amazing how many people, I've taught, said this before, but, well, you know, somebody will come to us and say, well, I, I'm having such marriage issues, and, and, you know, and, well, have you talked to anybody? Yeah, my, my friend at work said that, you know, I should, I should, you know, divorce that bum and, and, you know, kick him out, and I should do that. Really? Yeah. Is, is she married? Well, she's been divorced three times. You're, you're going, you know, wow. We, we've got to find somebody godly who's going to speak the truth to us and point us in the right direction. And so we need prayer. We need God's word. We need accountability. The last thing I was going to say is giving out. Giving out. Romans 12, 21 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So start doing something good. I would encourage you. Guys, I love you, but there's a bunch of you who sit here in church every Sunday, but you're not serving. You're not doing anything else for God. Start serving. Start doing something with your life. Fill yourself up with God. I would encourage you, we've got to fill ourselves up so there's not room for anything else. The enemy is looking for every open door he can find. So start serving and start doing something for God. I'm going to end with this. It's time to get things right. We've got to stop making excuses, cut off the sin, and fill ourselves up with God. I gave you a couple weeks, last couple weeks in a row, I've given you Job chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. Here's the answer. Put your heart right, Job. Reach out to God. 
Put away evil and wrong from your home. Then face the world again, firm and courageous. Then all your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are past and remembered no more. I wanna, I'm actually going to go a little further with this in just a second. I, I want to I mention a couple of things, but let's just bow our heads together. I want to I wanna start, start with this. Is your heart right with God? That is, everything I've said is irrelevant if you haven't made your heart right with God. And you know that. Are you good with God and is God good with you? You know the answer to the question. You do. But God can't do this healing. He can't do this healing work in you. He can't do it until you do that first. You've got to surrender your life to him. So with that said, every head bowed. Who would say, I've got to get my heart right with God today? I'm living for myself. I'm living the things I'm doing are based on my senses, what I feel. I'm not doing things based on what God says. I'm not living myself, living my life and managing it in a manner that's pleasing to God. I'm doing things in my own strength. I'm not trusting him. Who of you would say, I've got to get my heart right with God today? Let me see your hand. Just for me, who would say, I've got to get my heart? Yeah. Who else would say, I've got to get my heart right with God today? That's five. You know, guys, you know. You know where you stand with God. Anybody else who would say, I've got to surrender my heart to Jesus again today? Well, then we're all just going to pray this prayer together. Most of you know the routine, but don't let it be something routine. Don't let it just simply be a prayer. Say it and absolutely mean it with all your heart. Tell the Lord that you are surrendering your heart to him. You're surrendering your life. You're surrendering your baggage. You're surrendering your issues and that you're going to walk with him and you're going to live for him. Let's all say it together. Father, I thank you. I don't have to live this life alone. I thank you for sending your son Jesus, the blameless lamb of God, to take my sin and my shame and my baggage and my wounds upon himself. He carried it to a cross and he died there in my place. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me for living my life for myself. Forgive me for not trusting you. Forgive me for not walking with you. I surrender to you today. I declare that you are my Lord. You're my master. I'm going to let you point me in the right direction. Holy Spirit, fill me. Empower me to do all that you have called me to do. In Jesus' name. Now with that done, it's time to cut some things off. Let me, let, let me just ask this. Who in here would admit there's some things you need to cut off in your life? There's some baggage that you're carrying, some wounds, some bad habits, some addictions, some, some things that are weighing you down. I, I, I know there's more than 10 of us. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. So, <laughs> we've all got things in our lives that we've got to deal with. We've got to stop making excuses and we've got to begin cutting things off. Can I tell? I'm going to tell you something that I don't have permission to say this 
so I'm, I'm not going to say who it is. But there was a point a, a, year, a couple years ago where Sean and I were more impressed with a couple of people than we had been in a long time. And we actually, you may remember, I did a, a, a series, I did a couple weeks on uh, God's Father's design for sexuality. And talked about what God's Word says. And one day later, I got a call. Sean and I got a call from a couple that's here today. And they said, we've got to get our life right. They said, we're, we're living together and we want to get married. Been living together for years. Recognizing the fact that God couldn't bless their life and, and, and couldn't do what he wanted to do in them and through them. And we were like, wow, well, okay, well, when? And they said, today. And that just blew me away. I thought, how many people would do that? There's always an excuse. Well, okay, well, we'll do it soon, is what most people would say. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of that. You know, I, we want to have a proper wedding first. Or I, I want my child to be a little older and remember it and be in the pictures. Or I, we've heard all these different things. This person said, today. And we were like, well, come on over. And we did it right there in our backyard. And I thought, that is a life surrendered to Jesus that says no more excuses and look I'm not saying because of the things you're carrying in your life the things that you're doing and not doing that you're not a believer I'm not saying I'm just saying you're holding your life up in a big way God can't use us while we're still carrying this stuff and doing things and walking out stuff that's completely contrary to his word he can't use us is your heart right with God that was one of the first people I'd seen in a while do something like that. And it just, it's just stunned us both. He said, God, we need more of that. Wow, you need more of that. We've got to stop making excuses. We've got to get things right. Guys, your wife might need to start checking the mail. Might need to get an internet filter. You might have a wound. You might... You might need to go forgive somebody. You might need to go take a step in that direction and make something right. You might need to start meeting with somebody because of some grief you're going through and start walking some of those things out and taking certain steps rather than just sitting in it day after day after day and doing nothing with it, allowing it to cause you misery. We've got to fill ourselves with God and start giving out. That's why I say as we conclude, I... There are some next steps along the way. And uh, we do have a freedom team here in the church. And I encourage you to see the freedom team. And I can talk more about that. I will say this. Um, we took, uh, back in the spring, we took the men's uh, small group and the ladies' small groups through uh, the Free Indeed series from, from Gateway Church. And I actually, this week, I actually posted that on the church website. You actually, you, you can't. You can't get to it through the menus, but if you go to midsouthharvest.org slash freedom, so just go to our website address and put slash freedom at the end, it'll bring it up and it's a link to all the YouTube videos. They're all there on one page. And if you don't know a whole lot about freedom, if you recognize there's some struggles in your life and you want first steps in beginning to walk some of these things out and, and getting free, you're not sure about running to that whole freedom team thing yet, start there and watch these. They're about 30 minutes each or so. There's a, I think there's 11 of them. 
I encourage you, take the next week or two and, and, and watch them. And as he begins to talk about how the enemy gets influence in our lives, how we open doors to certain things, and we allow, we actually allow those strongholds in our life. And he begins to talk about those things and how to get free of them and how to stay free of, in them, of them. And then once you do that, I would encourage you, go hook up our freedom team. They'll, they'll get three or four folks just that will meet up with you, and they'll just pray over you and speak into your life. And, and, and what an awesome place to be. I mean, where, where you got people around you that you know love you and are speaking life into you and pointing you in the right direction. I believe that you'll see the breakthrough that, uh, that, you're, uh, that you're looking for. And I believe, is there still information at the, at the connection desk for the freedom, for, for the freedom ministry? Uh, Carmen says she thinks there is. Uh, you can see, also see Miss Carmen. You can just wave your hand, or, or Mr. Jerry, or even Dan Jackson, whoever. And come talk to any of us if you're really seeking that freedom. But let me tell you, you cannot move forward in your life until you deal with the baggage. God can't use you and do what He wants to do in your life until you deal with the baggage and things that are weighing you down. It's a long journey that God has us on through life. Sometimes it seems long, sometimes it seems real short. But let me tell you, when you're carrying a couple hundred pounds on your back, it seems real long, doesn't it? Let's all stand. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a